suggest a new strategy, Only different in your mind. Welcome aboard to Star Wars Rant Podcast, Episode 10. I'm your host, Brian Seddon, and with me is Chad Viss. Greets! And Brian North. Hello. <laughs> well done, Brian. Um, we're glad you're aboard for an exciting Episode 10. Um, this is a milestone for us. Uh, it's 10 episodes into our Star Wars Rant Podcast, and we are thrilled um, to be able to bring it to you. Uh, we're going to cover a few things today. We got our news. We're going to talk about what's going on in the Star Wars universe, searching the archives with Chad. Um, it's all about the books and the comics, um, anything in print. And um, we're going to have some top moments from B-Nob, where he picks our brain on some of our top moments from uh, the Star Wars films. Uh, Star Wars history, we're going to take a little bit of break from Star Wars history and kind of go off on, on something else on that, but um, but we will still talk about something that you could say is part of Star Wars history. And then the character spotlight, uh, Chad will bring us a new character to talk about, and then question of the day from B-Nob, and then if you stick to the very end, you get to hear our awesome Obi-Wan, Alec Guinness Obi-Wan impersonations got a bad feeling about this right so that was han solo chad so i'm gonna need you to refine that um so anyways hope you uh hope you enjoy the show today let's go ahead and get started with um with our news here and what's going on what's going on what's going on what's going on buddy so i'll tell you what's going on buddy we uh, we got a new look at um, a droid from Rogue One, and he looks awfully familiar. So, and I know um, Chad, you actually sent me a uh, a picture of it, um, but then obviously I saw it online as well. It's C two B five. He is an Imperial uh, droid, um, the same type of droid that R two D two is. He's an astromech droid. And those types of droids fix machines, um, you know, and, and tap into computers and, and do all kind of things for uh, the uh, Star Wars universe, the people in the Star Wars universe. But this one is an Imperial droid. Um, he looks basically just like R2-D2, except he's all black. Um, man, basically that's it. So he looks kind of cool. I mean, it's, uh, you know, something we haven't seen. We've seen other astromech droids but i don't think we've ever seen a uh, one that's one. all in black or an imperial one so, so yeah did you guys uh, chad i know you saw that the imperials never had uh astromechs did they they used other droids like they did you never saw an astromech imperial droid before obviously yeah it's interesting. never saw one <clears throat> b-nob did you get to see that man i did that's my kind of droid i think if i had a droid like that i want them in all black but yeah I'm kind of missing those little droids that were always like running from the action on the Death Star. You know, those the little, mouse droids? Yeah, those little Roombas that they have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Roomba. Um, all right, so very cool. If you haven't seen that picture, make sure you check it out. Um, the new uh, Rogue One uh, Imperial Droid C2B5. It'll be interesting to see... Um, you know if he has any uh, big moments in the movie or not. So him and R two will moving, fight. They'll shock each well, other and spit oil at each other. Yeah, that's a good question. Is R two in this? Have we seen that's a good anything with R two in, in Rogue One? I don't think we have. Doesn't mean he won't be there though. Right. Yeah. Little um, Easter egg somewhere. You would think he'd have to be, right? I mean, it'd be the first one he's not in. Hmm. Anyway, um, moving right along. Mark Hamill made some uh, made some news. Um, he's freaking everybody out. So let me back this up a little bit. You know, there's been some rumors that where people think Mark Hamill or Luke Skywalker will die in Episode Eight. Um, a while back ago, the uh, director of Episode Eight um, posted a picture of Luke Skywalker's robe on Instagram, and the bottom of it was kind of tattered and looked burned and. Some people were taking that as to, well, Luke, you know, looks like Luke's going to die. Um, 
But, you know, to me, it was like, okay, the dude wore the same thing like every day for how long, (laughs) you know? Um, But he was, uh, he posted a video on Instagram of him uh, getting his beard shaven. I don't think he was doing it. I couldn't tell if he was shaving it or somebody was shaving it for him. If he was shaving it, his hand bends real, real weird. Because it's uh, the force. Yeah. The force. He was so, using the one that got cut off in Empire to shave himself. It's kind of awkward, right, to have someone shave you? No, you're not. We're no. not celebrities, so we'll never understand that. But they don't yeah. do stuff like that for themselves. They sit in a chair and say, "Go," and they shave their hmm. beards. They comb their hair for them. Yeah, someone shaved his beard for him off. Pretty sure you can get that done at the barber. So. Good point. Yeah, but still, I would even fancy have a barber barbers that, that you go to, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They shave my so anyways, peach fuzz. Let's 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 keep it PG. Whoa. Bro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. The um, the uh, the video showed uh, him getting his beard shaven, and then he posted in the comments, "Haven't seen my chin since May 2015." So. Hashtag farewell facial fur and hashtag bye bye beard. And then he said, at least till hashtag episode eight. Um, nine. Mean nine. So, nine. Episode IX is eight. nine. Nine. Episode nine. Yeah, so he said episode nine, alluding to the fact that he is in episode nine. Correct. I'm sorry. Which we know I'm he's in episode so eight. There's too many movies so coming eight, out. So eight is the next one. Eight is nine. the next one, which we know right. he's in. Comes, right. The nine would be the one after. I apologize. Roman numerals. None of this is going to make it, so so don't say anything snarky because it's not going to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So episode nine. Um, so there you go. You know, he could just be uh, trying to throw everybody off. Um, who knows? I still don't. I don't think he's going to die in episode nine. Um, or I'm sorry, jeez, man, I don't think he's gonna die in episode eight. Um, he may die in episode nine, but I, I just can't see it in episode eight. After having Han Solo die in episode seven, I just don't see a back-to-back yeah. big death like that. Yep. So, um, moving right along, there are some. This isn't new, but, you know, for some reason people are talking about it again, so there must be a story out somewhere. But, uh, you know, people are talking about the Knights of Ren flashback scene, just how it's, it's um, that's going to be in Episode Eight. Um, you know, there's uh, there's going to be the scene of, of him, um, Kylo Ren, and the Knights of Ren uh, basically taking out the young Padawans. Um, very reminiscent, I guess, of... Uh, Anakin when he took out the Padawans at the uh, temple, except these ones will um, will be older. Um, so that's making some buzz, uh, but I don't think that's really anything new. Uh, Yoda is rumored to be in Episode Eight. Have you guys heard that at all? I heard some like someone that was at Star Wars Celebration speculating based on some people that make the puppets still or something like that. Yeah, so it's a it's a lot of hearsay, uh, but basically, yeah, this this person um, heard at Star Wars Celebration um, talking to I think talking to the puppeteers or somebody that one of the Yoda puppets had to be taken to um, to Episode Eight that there was a stage built and everything. Um, so you would think, obviously, then that Yoda would be um, in the movie, which to me. I, yeah, I could see Yoda appearing in the movie as a Force ghost. I don't know why you necessarily need a puppet unless you just want to keep the, uh, you know, the puppetry going. Um, I know the digital version of Yoda didn't get much love, um, or the CGI version. But um, I would assume we'd see a Force ghost in Episode Eight. We didn't get to see one in uh, in Episode Seven. Um, so, what do you guys think? Think Yoda will be in the movie? It makes sense. I think. Uh, I hope so, just because I was really hoping that even in when The Force Awakens came out, I mean, it's kind of like odd to me that the Force ghosts are there, but they aren't really around. You'd think that they, you know, that they would tap into their knowledge. I mean, Luke and Obi-Wan had pretty good conversations, you know, especially in Return of the Jedi. So 
you would think that, especially with Kylo Ren, you think his grandfather would appear to him or somebody would talk to him, you know, from the netherland of the Force. Yeah, I don't think you'll you'll see Anakin um, talking to, to Ray at all, but I, I could definitely see Yoda talking to to either Luke or um, or even Ray. Um, you know, someone else they could bring back as a Force ghost. Any thoughts? Qui Gon. Any guesses? Qui Gon, right? Um, obviously, Liam uh, Neeson is uh, still kicking, so uh, um, it'd be kind of cool to bring him back. I think a lot of people would dig that, and they would uh, they would be okay with that. Some people would probably get confused um, if they haven't seen the prequels, um, but he's definitely somebody that could come back. But uh, but Yoda seems to to make the most sense. So. Um, and then if you are an Emperor Palpatine fan, which I'm sure B-Nob is, um, he will not be making an appearance in Rogue One. So we will have Vader. Uh, we will not have Emperor Palpatine. So um, so hope that doesn't disappoint you, B-Nob. No, I get, I get my Anakin, a little, a little bit of Anakin, and so that's enough for me. Yep, so... That wraps up the news. You guys, uh, you guys catch anything that I uh, that I missed over the week? One thing I thought of while you're talking is <clears throat> they did that stop motion uh, with the new toys from the Star Wars, with the little scene with uh, Jin and what's the pilot's name? Cassian. Yep, and the droid K2SO, and then a bunch of stormtroopers and Lego stormtroopers and pop figures. Um, and they did a little like two minute stop motion uh, movie, and I guess they're gonna. That was just part one, and I guess they're gonna do other parts as well. I had had them running through Jeddah um, and getting this Lego looking thing that says "Top Secret Plans" on it, and kind of running back and forth fighting over it and stuff. It's it's clever. It's two minutes long. It's kind of cool. Yeah, actually, actually, I did see that, Chad. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and they're they're opening it up to. Um, to everybody um to um to make videos as well and submit them and I, I don't know if you win something or not with it i think you do i think you um all the toys you, yeah i think lucasfilm i think they actually invite you to something but i can't remember what it says but you can you can uh you can read about it but it was a kind of cool little video but yeah the new toys do they do they come out um friday they haven't come out yet right not that i'm aware of i guess i don't know um yeah, I'm not sure what day they come out on, but uh the um you know, there's going to be some three, you know, the the 3.75 inch action figures. Um there's uh you know, they got Jin Erso, K2SO, um you know, your basic stormtrooper, Imperial ground crewmen. They got some of the ships, the U ship is going to be available. Um and then uh, it comes with Cassie and Ander. Um, if you're uh, into toys, then uh, there's the new Tie Striker. Um, Love the Legos that comes with too. Tie right? Pilot. Yep, Legos are coming out. There's also an ATACT, uh, a remote control. It's it's only you know three hundred dollars for that, controlled by a remote <laughs> through a smart device. Mm. Um, but it stomps around, plays lights and sounds, and and it moves its head. So, um, and you could put figures in it. So, Chad, I think um, I should let your son know about that. Sure. Um, and that uh, you promised to get it to him for, him for uh, Christmas. No. Nope. Santa's yeah. not real. <laughs> oh, geez, Chad. <laughs> I mean, what? Seriously? No, I'm kidding. Of course he's real. And <laughs> wow. You're so gullible, Brian. <laughs> All right, um, Chad. That Chad, such a kidder for you kids listening. Um, and then uh, Black Action. Or I'm sorry. Black, Whoa! What? Whoa! Black Series action figures. Um, obviously, they got some of those. You know, it's your the main characters: Jen Erso, Cassie and Ander, K2SO. They got Death Trooper, um, and I'm sure there'll be more. The pop vinyls from Funko. Chad, you collect those, don't you? I have some of the Star Wars one, yeah. Yeah, so they got uh, they got all your uh, all your ones that uh, you'd expect there. So there's an Elite series. I'm not familiar with that. Um, 
They come out September 30th. It's uh, it's an articulated line. They're $27 each. Oh, are those um, the, get... the Lego figure things? They're like tall and kind of skinny looking? No. Disney no. Store's uh, exclusive line of die cast metal action figures. So they're oh. metal. Okay. Um, and then uh, you can get Jin, Cassian, Chirrut. Baze, Bodhi, K2SO, a Death Trooper, and an, an Imperial Astromech, which would be our new guy, C2B5. <laughs> C2B5. doesn't really roll off the tongue, right? <laughs> like R2-D2. Um, yeah, and then you got all your Lego toys that come out. There's some guns. There's some helmets. There's a Death Trooper helmet. The eyes glow. Or like the, not the eyes, but the breathing or the mouth parts glow. Um, so anyway. If you're into collecting, Rogue One toys are coming out. So there you go. I think that will wrap up what's going on. So Worthy of recognition in the archives of the Jedi Order. The advantage of old archive data. Perhaps the archives are incomplete. If an item does not appear in our records, it does not exist. Bring me the archive data. So I finished the book, Heir to the Jedi. Um, so I have I have a lot of things written down, and I will do my best to get through them uh, concisely, but also quickly. So last time we talked, no, I don't remember exactly how we ended last week, but we talked about uh, some things with him, Luke and Nakari, and Dressel, the Given, who talks in mathematics, if you recall. Yes. So the three of them in R2-D2 are getting their ship fixed uh, on a planet. So they get their engine fixed, which is what the problem was. And come to find out, a couple people figured out who they were and called the Empire. Alerted the Imperial ISB agents who are basically like the investigative police, so to speak, kind of. And some bounty hunters also found out that they were there. And they were attacked right before they were ready to go. So they quickly have to escape the planet that they're on. Um, now, the, the main goal that they have, we have Luke, um, who's on a mission for Akbar, And Nakari, if you recall, is the girl of the really rich guy that let him borrow the ship. Um, she's a real good pilot. And throughout the book, they've kind of become close. Luke and Nakari have. Um, they definitely have feelings for each other. Uh, and... Yeah, they nothing really happens, but it's Luke kind of fumbling and being really awkward and trying to not embarrass himself completely with her. The two of them are are they took Drussel, this given from the Imperials. They basically freed her, and their mission is to bring her and reunite her with her family. And when they do that, they she has information and ways to get information from the Imperials. Uh, that she will give the Alliance. So that is their mission. Um, on the way, their ship got shot down. They're fixing the engine, and they get found out. Some bounty hunters come after them, and they take off. As they take off from this planet, the the Empire is there, and they have set up a blockade um, around the planet, and they're checking every ship as it comes off. They're scanning it for life forms, looking for three life forms and a droid, um, every ship that comes off. So as they're leaving the planet, they get hailed by the Empire. They basically say, you know, who, who are you, where are you going? They give them false information. And as they're doing this, the given uh, Drussel and R2 are trying to figure out a new hyperspace lane. So you talked about, Brian, back in some of the history that once hyperspace was developed is when, you know, all this kind of stuff really started happening. And there are specific lanes that are hyperspace yep. lanes because... Planets, right? And moons. Planets and moons. And, yeah, so they have to actually plot out clear, a lane yes. that's clear. Right. Yeah. So there are only certain really highways, kind of, that you can take to get from one place to another through light speed. And they had their basically their tractor beams locked on for, and trained towards those areas. So if anyone tried to make a run for it, they could take them before they hit hyperspace. So the given suggests that her and R2 can figure out a new lane without just with math, with R2's abilities and her abilities, can figure out a couple short jumps and kind of zigzag on non-charted hyperspace lanes to get away. So it takes them some time once they're up there to figure out 
you know the calculations to do so so they don't run into a star or, or you know a planet or something of that nature so as they're doing that um, Luke is trying to stall they get away just in the nick of time okay uh, so fast forward all the way to the point where um, they're in hyperspace they're they're heading to where Russell's family is and as we saw in the original trilogy and even in the prequels in hyperspace you know they can get up and walk around they don't have to sit in one spot things take time so luke is sitting down at the table with drussel the given nakari and uh, r2 are working on the ship doing some things and luke is kind of sulking uh, a little bit about how he's just not getting enough experience learning how to use the force and drussel asks him what his problem you know what's wrong with you and he's like well you know i don't he hasn't really told anybody other than nakari nakari what he's doing uh, but he tells Drussel, and she gives him some advice. Um, so he's sitting there, and again, it's the noodles, Brian. <laughs> Don't laugh. It's, you know, I didn't write the book. It's what they eat. It's so like, the, basically, it's they're, ramen. They're going to use the noodles again? Yeah, they use the noodles again a little bit, but oh, it gets good. Obsessed with the noodles. <laughs> so he's sitting there, and she's like, oh, you know, she knows he's Force-sensitive because she saw his lightsaber. Um, she knows that he's trained to be a Jedi, but he hasn't really talked to her about it. And he's kind of sulking. She asks him what's wrong. He just says, you know, I'm just frustrated because I'm not able to do or learn. And she's like, well, show me what you can do. And he's like, ah. He's kind of embarrassed. She's like, no, really, show me. So he puts a noodle on the on the table again. And he reaches out with the force and he moves it across the table. And she's delighted. She's like, that's amazing. She's like, I'm, you know, all about mathematics and probability, and what you did is improbable and impossible, but yet there it is. You did it. She's like, that's just cool. Have you have you tried doing anything else? Have you tried moving anything bigger? He's like, yeah, I've tried. I just can't. It's 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 hard. And she's like, well, why don't, why don't you try to move that fork? There's a fork there in your bowl of ramen. Why don't you try to try to move that? And he's like, all right. So he sits there and he's focusing on it. He's got his hand out. He's trying to move it. It like wiggles a little bit, but nothing happens. And she's like, well, maybe maybe you're trying to move the fork. She's like, but you don't really need, you don't have to move the fork. You need to move the force. The force bends to your will, not the fork. So the force surrounds everything. So the reason she goes maybe, and she's giving all these mathematical, you know, probable, you know, things that would explain how things can be done. She's like, well, why don't you try, forget about the fork, try moving the force around the fork. And he's like, oh, I never, I never thought about it in that way, that I'm not actually moving the noodle, I'm not moving the fork, I'm moving the force that surrounds it. So it doesn't matter how heavy the object is, it's my will to move the force that actually moves the object. So he tries again, and it, it moves a little bit more. She's like, well, why don't you close your eyes, you know, shut out all other distractions and, and just focus on it. And so she he does that and he's able to move the fork right out of the right out of the bowl with the ramen on it dripping all over the place nakari comes up and says wow you did it and he drops it on his shirt right there and they laugh and ha ha giggle giggle (laughs) so i just found it very cool that this drussel this given is actually opening up a new avenue for him and in his knowledge of the force like it's not I don't have to lift the X-Wing out of the lake in Dagobah, right? It's the force around it that lifts the object. Not doesn't matter how heavy it is. And he realizes that with her. Um, and he'll use that later at the end of the book. So um, next, so they, so that's on their trip there. They get there. Just as they come out of hyperspace, there's six smaller ships waiting for them. And they start firing on them. They're not Imperial. They're bounty hunters. So they're getting chased, and this is their final destination where her family is supposed to be. They're being chased by six uh, bounty hunters. They do shoot them down. They crash, and this is a mostly water planet. They crash onto the into the water, but they're able to get to the to an island. Um, long story short, they split up. Nakari and R2 go one direction. Nakari is a real good sniper, and Luke takes Drussel, and they go a different direction. And through the course of time, they pick off the bounty hunters to where there's only two left. Um, and they describe as there's some tall grass and some sandy beaches and some hills. And Luke and Drussel are on one side, and they can see R2. And they can't see Nakari, but they see R2 over there. 
Uh, one bounty hunter shoots at R2. He hits him, and you hear him do his little beeps, and smoke comes up. Um, and so now they know where they're at because they can see the smoke from R2. So one of the the uh, bounty hunters down on the beach grabs a grenade launcher, and Luke realizes what's about to happen is that he's going to start lobbing grenades at Nakari and R2. So he's quickly decides to try to run across to kill in order to knock out that bounty hunter and he begins to do so and as he does he is able to get two grenades off the first one explodes and you hear r2 go crazy Um, and then the second one explodes and luke is realizing what's going to happen so as he's running across he's trying to reach in with the force to try to move the grenades He's unable to do so, but he feels Nakari's life form or you know life essence with the Force, and then it's yeah. gone. It disappears, and he gets he is he knows what's happened. He knows there's two droid two bounty hunters left. He knows that she's dead because she's disappeared from his you know from the Force. He can't feel her anymore, and the book describes as him as uh, a cold hatred instantly fills luke and he feels more powerful than he ever has before he senses not only where the two droids are he sent he can sense our two he can sense drussel he can sense other life forms on the planet more vividly than he's ever been able to before and the hatred wells up inside him but it's it's really cold Every other time he's used the Force before, he's described it as a warm feeling, something comforting. It's very cold, but it's very powerful. And immediately he just wants to kill the, the, the bounty hunter. Drussel is there and puts her hand on his shoulder and kind of snaps him back into reality and says, you know, let the bounty hunters are going after each other now because they figure if I kill him, I'll be the only one left. I can collect all the bounty. And so Drussel says it'd be best if we let them kill each other. And it kind of brings Luke back. And he realizes what he just felt. And yeah, it scares the dark him. Side. Yeah, it scares him. So he, he calms himself down. Um, and he resists the urge that came upon him to seize on that power and, and act on it. So he understands and makes comments uh, that that feeling was there and cold and powerful. But it felt like a vacuum. That if he went and acted on that it would not be fulfilled it would be a constant need to always fill that void of fill you know of anger and it, it would never end the hatred and the cold would never end um and he realizes that once he didn't go through with it and experiences that temptation and and you know with drussel's help really um doesn't go through with it so come to find out the, the two bounty they kill the other bounty hunters off he goes and sure enough nakari has been killed by the shrapnel from the grenade r2 is in bad shape but obviously he is fine um they find russell's family um and the other part of the alliance that went and got her family reunited them um they talk he talks a lot about how he got a body bag off the bounty hunter ship put nakari in it had to carry her back and his feelings that if if she would have lived, uh, they they I think they would have probably taken their relationship further. Um, right before they departed, they had a little kiss moment, and you know, Drussel says, "Are you go- going to say goodbye to your mate?" You know, because she doesn't understand humans very well, and he gets real awkward with that. So he thinks about her life and her and their relationship, um, and then as he's on a ship heading back to the alliance he's just kind of sitting there thinking about all these things and the book ends with him feeding himself via the force with the fork and the noodles numerous times so he's sitting at a table force numerous times force like taking numerous bites of the noodles with the force on the fork and laughing about how he's made a mess and how nakari would would think that's funny so he has figured out how to move things with the Force. And as we know, with the Empire Strikes Back, he ends up moving the lightsaber and pulling that to him for the first time that we see. So a good book. Um, not as probably dramatic as I would hope for, but 
he really can't couldn't have learned too much because he we didn't in the movies you don't see a whole lot of progression as we talked about before so if they had gave him too much power and ability all of a sudden then he would lose it in empire that wouldn't make sense either but to read a book from his perspective see a love interest of his and you know someone that he may had feelings for um is interesting to see and see him be able to kind of learn how to use the force not from a jedi but from just a real smart you know alien race is is pretty interesting so and that would have been the first time too in the uh canon then that he felt the uh pull of the dark side right yeah yep so yeah no i think it was cool very very cool so what's uh what's next what what are you going to read next chad well i've got the next book i have here is uh star wars battlefront twilight company there's a glare so you can't see it um this book happens right after let's see here right after heir to the jedi so you have a new hope the movie heir to the jedi happens like within the same year and then battlefront twilight company happens after that very cool very cool thanks chad all right let's move on to uh b knob and top moments well we all have our top moments tonight's top moment we'll focus in on the force awakens and I don't know about you guys, but when The Force Awakens first said that they was coming out and I knew they were making a new Star Wars movie, obviously, you know, a lot of people, even when they saw the prequels, you know, tried to find the similarities between the original trilogy and the prequels trilogy. And a lot of people saw the same themes, a lightsaber fight in The Force, but a lot of that feel didn't really feel like the original trilogy. And I think that's where the prequels, you know, a lot get a little bit of a bad rap just because maybe it was too heavy in the CGI and the, and the, just the feel of the movies wasn't the same as you got when you watched the original trilogy. So when people were going into The Force Awakens, myself included, you're kind of hoping that you still got that feel of, okay, this is a Star Wars movie. So tonight for the moment, greatest moments is at what point for you in the force awakens did you say okay this is a star wars movie during the opening crawl really yeah when wow. it came out and said star wars right away and the opening crawl came out i was like yes we're back to star wars not i mean honestly that there's not a moment like a scene in the movie that i felt that way just but as soon as the opening credits came out and the crawl happened I was I I reminisced and felt exactly like I was watching one of the original trilogy movies right away. I think for me it was when uh, Ray and Finn um, get on the Falcon, and then uh, you know obviously they're chased by the Tie Fighters and they're flying through uh, Jakku. Um, just that whole that whole scene. Um, that's when I, I felt like, you know, it was like the old times, you know, as far as, as the movie. So um, that for me was probably that moment where I felt like I was watching Star Wars again. And not nothing was wrong with the elements previous to that, but that was, uh, that was, um, that was definitely a feel-good, you know, Star Wars moment for me. I would have to say mine was a little bit, well, mine's actually right in between your both of yours. And that's, uh, well, the first moment where I got like kind of an inkling of, okay, this is a Star Wars movie. It's kind of a random moment. But it's when Poe Dameron comes out of the tent and he's kind of looking around and he pulls up those goggles and they have a view from the goggles with the lettering and everything. Uh, that was like that, okay, this, this, is getting, this is getting cool, right? Uh, just because the equipment and everything is similar from what it was in the original trilogy, but I think the moment that I was like, okay, this is a, this is this is the real deal right here, is when kind of random, but is when Poe gets gets off of the uh, First Order ship, uh, handcuffed in the hangar bay of the first First Order Star Destroyer, 
and uh, just looking around, like seeing everything going on in the hangar bay, the TIE fighters, and the uh, just reminded me back to A New Hope when they landed the Millennium Falcon in the hangar bay, the Death Star, and that's what brought it in for me. Cool. So that's our greatest moments. Tune in next week to find out what our other great favorite moments are. All right. Good deal. We're going to move on to um, Star Wars history. Like I said, we're going to take a a break, I guess, from that. Um, but again, we're going to still talk about something um, that's important to Star Wars. And you could say it's part of history. But um, something I found uh, that was interesting. It, um, it comes from the book. And uh, I hope I don't... Uh, steal from chad searching the archives um but it is it is from the book bloodlines and i'm actually going to play a video clip um of a book because i of a book well of a of a um uh commentary basically on this part of the book um and it's something that i was not aware of and basically it's how kylo ren found out that darth vader was his grandfather um, and this, this YouTube video comes from, um, the stupendous wave, um, and, uh, it's Star Wars explained. Um, so let's, uh, let's listen to it and then, um, we can talk about it a little bit. When and how did Ben Solo learn Vader was his grandfather? While the revelation that both Luke and Leia were the son and daughter of Darth Vader is something all people with passing knowledge of Star Wars knows, the individuals that are aware of this fact in-universe guide it as a well-kept secret. Before we continue any further, please be warned that there are spoilers for the canon novel Bloodline, so just keep that in mind. Kylo Ren's heritage is a major driving force for his character, and the Knight of Ren idolizes both Darth Vader and the Empire in the way they conducted themselves. He also simultaneously views the Rebels and later Jedi as the true enemies involved in the Galactic War, believing they promoted chaos and destruction, while the Empire promoted peace and encouraged advancements. Ben held a lot of these views even before the revelation he was the grandson of Darth Vader, with that being the tipping point to his ultimate betrayal of Luke and turn to the dark side. But when did Ben Solo learn about his heritage, and what were the specifics of it? The answer may shock you quite a bit. At the time of Bloodline, many individuals in the galaxy are not even aware that it was Anakin Skywalker under the mask and new identity of Darth Vader. Many in fact believe what Obi-Wan told Luke, that Darth Vader killed Anakin leading up to the establishment of the Empire. Meanwhile, in the Senate, Leia is running for a newly established position due to a rift forming within the Senate. With some members believing planets should have more individual power and ability to govern, while another group believes that the government should be run more by a single group, quite similar to the way the Empire conducted things, but on a reduced scale. As a result of this rift, and Leia becoming the public face for the group known as the Populists, a senator in favor of the other view reveals Leia's secret, that she is the daughter of Darth Vader to the galaxy, broadcasting the message and causing the other senators and even common civilians to distrust her as a result of her father's past actions. Along with the majority of the rest of the galaxy, Ben had no idea about the truth, with Leia quickly making a very emotional message, revealing to him that it was all true, and that his grandfather was indeed the Lord of the Sith and Imperial Enforcer, Darth Vader. Leia explains to her son in this message that the secret was meant to protect him from the scrutiny of others and for his own development. Although Leia attempts to get the message to Ben as soon as possible, he is at this point training to become a Jedi under Luke Skywalker, who has also fallen out of the public eye, and it is unknown whether or not Ben even received the message at all. In fact, it is hinted at that Ben actually heard of the revelation publicly, and that Leia was not fast enough to do it more personally and privatized. This secret being kept from Ben obviously angers him, and the fact that both his parents are more concerned with their own endeavors above him, even before the truth comes out, drives him towards the dark a great deal. It also likely forms a disconnect between him and his master Luke, who he may have thought he could trust, but was ultimately deceived by as well. Ben finding out about this was honestly most likely quite the traumatizing experience, and having it likely told to him in a very informal manner was also likely difficult. Ben would probably face scrutiny and maybe even hate among the other students at the Jedi Academy and just common individuals in the galaxy. We know the secret being released to the galaxy brought the strong Leia Organa to tears and she knew about it prior so we can only imagine the emotional damage the reveal took on Ben. This event is also the straw that broke the camel's back. Ben was feeling weak and abandoned before, and now that the truth that he is indeed the grandson of Darth Vader is viewed by him as an ultimate betrayal on behalf of those he thought he could trust. The most shocking thing about all this is that it only occurred six years before The Force Awakens, and according to that film, Ben has been Kylo Ren for some time. 
This all truly shows us that this was the beginning of the end, and that Ben soon after learning the truth fell under Snoke and into the dark side, learning to fully idolize Vader and attempt to conform to the beliefs he had held prior to his death. So how do you feel about this? How do you think the events followed after the reveal Ben was the grandson of Darth Vader, and how do you think it strained his already shaky relationships? Do you think if Ben had been told earlier things could have been different? Leave all insight and comments down below. May the Force be with you, and have a great day. Alright, so great video by uh, Star Wars Explained, the stupendous wave um, on YouTube. But uh, So Chad, you're familiar with that story in Bloodlines? Yep, totally. The senators are all backstabbing each other and the guy that uh, publicly does it thinks he's doing the, the Empire, not the Empire, but the, the world a favor by kind of taking Leia down a notch in credibility. And eventually he comes around and realizes, oh, that was real dumb. But uh, he, this other senator's real young. He kind of idolizes the Empire, has some uh, Imperial uh, artifacts in his office, just kind of like displayed as trophies. But yeah, he it's it's done publicly, and yeah, she when she records a private hollow vid for Ben, um, he's been unreachable for a while because he's off with Luke, and uh, obviously, well, they allude to the fact that he doesn't receive it before from her. But here's it, you know, publicly instead. So, makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought that was really interesting because, you know, the Kylo Ren we see, we don't, we don't know why he turned. We just know he's he's turned and he's, uh, or I guess in the process of turning, maybe fully. But because uh, according to Snoke, he hasn't completed his training. But um, he uh, obviously, you know, has. Uh, issues with his parents, issues with uh, with his lineage, um, worships his grandfather, but you don't know how that all came about, how he found out, and I was unaware that um, that so many people didn't know that it was Anakin who was Vader, and that they all just assumed that Anakin had died, as as Obi uh, Obi Wan had uh, told Luke. Um, so, but that kind of explains it. You know, he already was, uh, you know, disappointed with Han Solo for. Uh, being away so much um, because obviously he was not a family man as it would appear um, so he was away a lot then they sent him over to uh, to Uncle Luke in his uh, Jedi temple to have him be trained and then he finds out that everybody's been lying to him and uh, and then even Luke so and he doesn't even find out from then so you could kind of see you know how that would uh, create the emo character that we see in uh force awakens he truly has been lied to and abandoned by everybody it would seem that kind of starts the whole resistance movement too because after that point leia like chancellor mon mothma at this point is is old has been sick can't be the main figure to kind of hold the senate together and leia is kind of in the running to be that next person and so after this, you know, revelation, uh, she really doesn't have a chance to be that person anymore. She's still a senator, um, but is no longer ha- has lost a lot of respect for people because they just assume, you know, she's the blood of Darth Vader, and she's kind of pushed in the direction to where the resistance kind of you know is formed, but starting right there really. Yeah, I would, you know, I would say though, I wish, I, I kind of wish they had showed something like that in The Force Awakens because it, it really does give another element to, to Kylo Ren and, um, mm-hmm. and you get a more, you get a, a fuller picture of the character and where he's coming from. And I guess, you know, I know Chad, you would say, well, that's why I need to read the books. But Boom! I, th- I think they could have really added something to the character in the films and maybe they'll address some of that in the, in the next think. film. Um, but, uh, I think that's huge, personally. I mean, it, it adds, it makes me understand Kylo Ren more, and I understand his anger now. Where before I viewed him as uh, just a, uh, you know, a spoiled brat, basically. So, yeah. right, which is a lot reminiscent to, I feel those same kind of emotions were the same feelings that turned Anakin to the dark side, just because Anakin didn't like to be kept in the dark. He didn't like to be kept and he just felt like the council were keeping things from him hiding secrets from him and not giving him all the information that he needed to be successful 
And I think Kylo Ren has that same kind of reaction of, you know, you're keeping all this information from me. Why are you, you know, he doesn't, there's a trust issue there between him and the people that are closest to him in his life. And he's just looking for answers and he's going to go to the person who he thinks is going to give it to him. Yeah, sure. Which is and that's what uh, that's what they tend to do. The Sith is they they find somebody that uh, it's almost just like any predator, right? They find somebody that's been hurt, um, and they fill that void for them. So, pretty interesting, you know. And I'll, I'll wrap this little segment up with one more thing. It's a um, another theory. Seems like a new theory comes out every week. Um, but I don't know if you guys have heard this one. I just want to get your thoughts on it. There is a um, I don't know if it's more of a theory or a, a, a leaked plot rumor type deal, but it's of um, Snoke being uh, Luke Skywalker's grandfather, basically Darth Vader's father. And in this uh, rumor slash leak slash theory, I don't know which one of it, which which it is, but it's a uh, they say that, you know, Luke confronts Snoke. And he says something to the fact of, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've watched, I know, I knew your father and I watched him for, for a long time. And, uh, Luke says something to the fact of, you know, well, how's that possible? Or how did you know my father? And then he's Snoke replies something to the fact of, well, when you create something, you keep your eyes on it or something to that effect. So kind of an interesting theory you know we know in the prequels that uh anakin was created by the force is what uh, was what we're told um you know is snoke somebody that possibly could do something like that well, i mean we don't know i don't believe it i don't think it's it's a, a good theory uh, if it is a leak uh, or a rumor um I, I think it muddies the waters too much but it's something new that I haven't heard. You guys heard any of that? No, that's new to me. I I heard it and I just I don't really buy it. Yeah. So I think uh I think we're you know I think everybody's wrong and I think um I still think Snoke could come out of left field. So anyway, that's gonna wrap up Star Wars history. Let's move on to character spotlight, Chad this. Here's my job for the podcast, Character Spotlight. It's what I do for my job. Oh, it's me every week. Maz Kanata. I'm not, I'm not bitter. Maz Kanata. She is the character for this week. Uh, Brian mentioned her a little bit last week with her castle um, and built over the uh, battlegrounds of a Sith and Jedi battle. So, Maz Kanata, they don't give a specific alien race that she belongs to or species. They just call her a humanoid alien. Um, she was born a millennium before the First Order conflict, or, you know, Episode 7, uh, which obviously Episode 7 happened 30 years after Endor. Um, she's Force-sensitive, uh, but has had no desire to study to be a Jedi. So... In one of the deleted scenes, if you watch the deleted scenes from Episode 7, um, in the scene where she offers the lightsaber to Rey, and Rey doesn't want it, and Finn and Han come down, um, they she gives it to Finn, and then in the deleted scene, a bunch of stormtroopers come down and corner them in that little hallway in the basement, just as the castle's being attacked. And she force pulls the ceiling and crashes it down on top of the stormtroopers. Um, that scene did not make it into the movie, but she is a force sensitive being. Uh, when Han comes into the castle, she doesn't see him first, but she knows he's there and exclaims, Han Solo, before even turning around because she is force sensitive and can feel people around and knew that Han Solo had walked in. So she has those those abilities to an extent. Um, she never trained in them, but she is definitely has those abilities. Um, a thousand years before the First Order conflict, uh, she became known as the Pirate Queen throughout the galaxy. Uh, her castle um, on Ty—I oh, didn't write the uh, the Ta- uh, Taco uh, Ta- Takodana. Yeah. Uh, her castle is kind of an, a watering hole for the galaxy 
Um, people can come and go as they please. It can be they. You're not going to get arrested. You're not going to get turned in. Um, so a lot of smugglers and you know bounty hunters and villainy and scum of all kinds will come to her watering hole. And the only rules she has is that there's no fighting and no politics. Yeah, and not to not to cut you off, but a little bit about that planet too. I guess it's in the um, the mid rim, and so in other words, it's like one of the last planets before you get to like the outer rim. Sure. So like if somebody wants, you know, it's kind of like their last stop to, you know, um, get what they need and kind of relax and everything before they move on to the outer rim where it's desolate and there's really just you know not much out there. Totally. So go ahead. Um, so another deleted scene. Uh, you know, for, well, not deleted scene, deleted from the trailer. Remember the first trailer we saw, where we saw appeared to be two women, uh, and we assumed it was Leia handing or Luke handing the lightsaber to Ray. Um, and you heard Luke saying, "My father has it, I have it, my sister has it." Um, and that backdrop was being show, handing the lightsaber. That was actually Maz handing the lightsaber to Leia. They had part of the story, J.J. had part of the story, where Maz would travel back with Han to the base where the Resistance was with the lightsaber and give the lightsaber to Leia instead. Um, but J.J. cut it out because it doesn't. there was no real reason for Maz to go to the Resistance base, and it just didn't really make sense, so instead they wrote it into giving it to Finn. But that's where that part of the trailer was used, was that was... That's what was going to happen. So threw us all off with that one. Um, so before she became the Pirate Queen, she had traveled the galaxy in her ship, the Tulu, Taulu, T-U-A-L-U. Um, and she collected a lot of artifacts. Um, we know she has Luke's lightsaber that she got at one point. Shortly after Yavin, when Luke had destroyed the first Death Star, the Empire started collecting um, concernable information on Maz. Like, they started trying to figure out who she was, where she came from, and she found this out. She hired a mercenary to strike Imperial targets on six planets. Uh, Whether they be people or places, I assume they're people that were gathering information. The six planets were Tatooine, uh, Dandoine, Urkit, Hoth, Yavin 4, and her planet, Tychodana. And this mercenary went out assumedly killed all six people or struck at all six targets and the information seeking kind of ceased and she went into hiding kind of quasi hiding because she saw the jedi being wiped out she saw them being hunted down and because she had four sensitive powers that's when she kind of started to settle down and just stick to home um in the room where that lightsaber was found by ray um down in her treasure room there was also a four thousand year old hyperspace sextant a fusion cutter head a dantium power cell and a bust of cherif mayoda a jedi master so these are things that people have picked out or are in there's an art book that uh they released shortly after the movie and these items were identified in that room from the picture of that box and that room so those are some and these assumedly being because they're in the same box that luke's lightsaber is in these are very important or very valuable items Uh, so again that was a four thousand year old hyperspace sextant a fusion cutter head a diantium power cell and the bust of cherif mayota jedi master now that jedi master is not mentioned anywhere else in any kind of canon before that art book but uh yeah so he's in there as well so there's not a whole lot on her but she was obviously a character created for this movie um there's not a whole lot of backstory other than what i just kind of said Um, but she's been around for a long time as we know from the movie she's seen uh the sith rise to power and then the empire rise to power and now the first order rising to power so she's got a lot of history she does have force abilities. One could assume that if she had wanted to train as a Jedi, she probably could have been one. So that kind of puts her in a new league of not just Force-sensitive, as I know the Force exists and I am I know it's out there. Maybe I'm more learned, but I actually believe that she has, based on the deleted scene and her history on Wikipedia, 
she literally has force powers. She can crash a ceiling or pull a ceiling down into stormtroopers and, and can sense people um, without seeing them like she did with, what did with Han. So I think she's more forced in tuned than we were probably led to believe just by watching the movie. Sure. Yeah, and she's just she's just untrained, right, in the force and Yeah, I mean anyone that's been around for a millennium probably is more knowledgeable than even most people are, whether she was trained in the Jedi Force or you know, Jedi way or not. Um, you know, obviously she's capable, so Yeah. No, very cool. I and I thought she was a good character in uh, Force Awakens. You totally. Know, I, I think uh she was one of the fan favorites and uh you know um, looking to see what they do with her and the the other movies. Right, and there could be a lot of stuff that we don't know about her yet that they could reveal, you know, in future movies. Maybe she knows more about the Force than she's letting on, and maybe she'll help with some of the Jedi training later on in the next movies. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Chad. B-Nob, question of the day. Question of the day today, um, a little bit more towards The Force Awakens and the new movies coming out. Uh, I know sometimes I focus, last week I focused a little bit on the prequels, but this week it's moving forward towards the new films coming out. And now we have two lines of history. We have the canon and we have the expanded universe now called Legends. Uh, But there's a lot of elements, especially with, you know, a son of Han Solo being... uh, being a uh, a Sith um, from Legends, a lot of those story elements um, that they uh, that they used from you know the expanded universe over the years that they incorporated a little bit into the Force Awakens. But uh, Chad definitely used somebody who's an avid reader and somebody who reads up a lot throughout the years. What is something from the expanded universe that you hope to see? Maybe an element of it or a character or something else that you hope that they bring into the uh, new movies coming up. You know, uh, sad to admit that I hardly read any of the books for Star Wars before this whole new canon started. Uh, My wife had read almost all the Timothy Zahn books, um, and I want to say those are mostly done in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken, like mid to late 90s. Um, So I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of expanded universe knowledge um, to say that I want this or that I hope they bring this into the canon. Um, so I disappointingly give you an answer that I, I, I really don't have one. Brian? Um, yeah, so I'll be honest with you. I was not much into the expanded universe either. Um, to be honest with you, it, it kind of confused me. I, I was younger too. And, um, you know, when a lot of those books were coming out, um, it kind of goes along with 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 comic books, not Star Wars comics, which this is the comic book industry. Um, you know, if you're not familiar with kind of how that works and some of the story, you know, it, you know, why are there like three Superman comics and there's you know five Batman comics and which one, you know, which one do you read? And they're all different storylines and it's it can become confusing. Um, and to me, like when I was younger and I'd see like those Star Wars books. It's like, okay, well, is that part of the story? Is it not part of the story? And I just didn't want to invest the time in something that that I wasn't just really sure about. So, but I will say, I can still give you an answer to the question. Um, I, uh, probably about a couple years ago, um, you know, I started to hear more about Thrawn and, um, you know, as I started, as as the movies were announced, I started to look back into some of the Star Wars history and stuff. And Thrawn is just so so evident as a uh, a major player in the EU. So I think you know them pulling him into canon through uh, Star Wars Rebels, the animated series. I, I think that's um, I'm glad they pulled him out of the EU. Um, I think he'll add a lot to to canon. Um, and I and I realize that can open the door to uh, to pulling more people out of uh, the EU. Good answer. That's good. Uh, me myself, um, a lot of the expanded universe stuff that I had um, growing up 
was uh, a lot of it was around the prequel time. So a lot of the things that they added, anybody who's writing books, whether it was a Young Apprentice series about Anakin Solo or Jason or Janet Solo, um, you know, around my time with the prequels is they incorporated a lot of these stuff in the prequels like Coruscant and other planets and different things into the expanded universe to kind of incorporate the prequels into the original trilogy. So, you know, I hope that maybe sometime down the road that, you know, a lot of those planets that we saw, maybe Naboo or Coruscant or, you know, some of those planets that we saw in the prequel trilogy will come and find their way back to kind of see those type of places in in a new age and a new, in a new time. So that's the question of the day. All right, good deal. Um, we're close to wrapping this thing up, but first, there's there's something that we have to uh, we have to get to, and that would be um, our Obi Wan Alec Guinness <laughs> impersonations. So, do we have a volunteer to go first? All right, looks like I'm up. So, <laughs> it's going to be bad. Um, I will play a, a clip for you um, so you can know what it's supposed to sound like. And then I will give my uh, attempt, and it's going to be really bad. So This is your idea. This is my idea. We'll see if this makes the podcast or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we go. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Huh? No? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. That's it. You, You did it. I did it. Nailed it. Nailed it! All right. Who's up? All right. Just get it, just get it over I'll with. I'll go. I'll go. Okay. Ready? All right. So let me, what's your, uh, what's your clip? We'll go ahead and play your clip. I think you sent me a copy of it. Yeah. So go ahead and play it now. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. A long time. All right, let's hear it. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. A long time. That was terrible. That was real bad. It was real, real bad. I feel like it was better than mine. Chat, or, uh, B-Now, we got a clip of yours? Uh, yep. All right. Let's so we'll play that. Cue that puppy up. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. All right, B-Nob, let's hear it. Um, all right, here we I go. I don't remember him saying that. I didn't come <laughs> through on the clip. <laughs> no, all right, go ahead. All right, here we go. For a thousand years, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic, before the dark times, before the Empire. Yeah, we're ter- We're all bad. Thanks. Yeah, I think they're all really we're bad. We're awful. We're yeah. uh, Guinness. We're sorry. Yeah. Don't don't force ghosts kill us, please. <laughs> I will say, Beanob, I've heard your Obi Wan Ewan McGregor uh, impersonation, and uh, yeah, I'm way, I, I, think I have to wait a few years. Better. I think I have to wait a few years for my Alec Guinness. I think I have to wait for my elderly <laughs> age, maybe in our thousand thousand podcast yeah. to come back, our thousand episode to come back, mastered that impression. But my Ewan McGregor, though, spot on. Better watch out for that. Yeah, it's spot on. So, um, so there you go. There, there's your Obi Wan Alec Guinness, uh, Guinness um, impersonations. We'll probably never do that again. Yeah, please. So you're welcome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, hey, we thanks thank you for uh, coming along with us on episode ten of Star Wars Rant podcast. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Star Wars Rant, uh, Facebook page 
will be up very soon. Uh, we enjoy uh, we enjoy doing the podcast. Hope you enjoy listening. I appreciate Bnob and Chad for all the work that they put into the podcast. Um, we'll move on to episode 11 next week. But in the meantime, uh, thanks for joining us and have a great week. Bye.